Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have two amazing guests in Mr. Brady Hanna and Jeff Bohr of Legacy Investments Group. Before we dive in, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? Thank you all so much for taking the time to do that. It means a lot. All right, let's dive in. Brady has over 15 years in the financial sector working in credit card processing. Brady escaped the rat race and retired from the corporate world to focus on mobile home parks full time. Uh, He has been in real estate for over 10 years and has done everything from single family home developments to rentals and uh, even flips. Uh, Brady has experience filling and turning around distressed mobile home parks. Uh, Brady and Jeff met and uh, decided to get into mobile home parks a a peculiar way uh, where they were on a party bus going to a charity fundraiser. I'm excited (laughs) to hear about that, guys. Uh, after diving into the uh, the MHU bootcamp material, they pushed full steam ahead and now own five mobile home communities with just over 300 lots. Uh, and during 2020, which I definitely want to talk about this, guys, they occupied 50 lots through bringing in new and used homes and also renovating several. Uh, Brady focuses on the sales and acquisitions. Uh, and at the at the same time, Jeff handles the operations which is no easy feat in and of itself. Uh, Jeff has been in corporate consulting for over 20 years, helping corporations implement processes and streamline their businesses. Jeff has been a real estate investor for over 13 years and owns 10 plus single family rentals and retired from the corporate world at the young age of 36. Brady and Jeff, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to be on. Awesome. Well, can you start out by telling us about your story and how you guys got into the, the, the amazing business of manufactured housing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so our background is, you know, as, as you said in our bio, I, I was always in real estate. You know, I was, had a full-time day job uh, working for a financial services company, um, did that for the last 15 years, and always had that idea after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a kid uh, in college. I, I wanted to get out of the rat race. And uh, so I started buying up single family residences and building up a portfolio there. And I, I had about 10 at the time. And I had reconnected with an old buddy of mine uh, from college. And I, t- I was talking to him. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I, I had single family residences too, but now I'm in mobile home parks. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I've always liked mobile home parks. I actually, in college, when I went to K-State, lived in a mobile home for that my parents had bought for three years owned by RHP. It was ARC at the time. And uh, so I was very familiar with mobile homes and parks. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to do that. Tell me more. And he kind of educated me on it. And he said, you know, if you really want to learn more, you need to go to this mobile home boot camp for the ran by Frank Rolf, one of your recent guests. And uh, I had, I thought about it, but I, I still wasn't ready. And Anyways, fast forward a couple of years, I was buying more houses, doing flips, wholesaling houses, and I had talked to my neighbor, Jeff here, and uh, he was into single family residence houses as well. And so we were talking, we went out to lunch, talked more about single family houses, and then it was probably a year went by, 
and we were on a charity uh, event going to a, uh, it's harvesters, it's, it helps raise, you know, raise uh, money for homeless people and people who need food in Kansas City. And they did this like Taste of Kansas City event. So our neighborhood rented a party bus. And so we're on the party bus. He was sitting across from me and I looked at him. And I said, Boar, you and I are going to buy a mobile home park. <laughs> and he's like, what? I looked at him like he was crazy. And <laughs> yeah. he said, let me send you a podcast. So he sent me a podcast. It was Kevin Bupp's podcast at the time on the seven reasons why you want to. And I had been, like he said, invested in single family homes. I got out of the rat race, had been doing some volunteer work at the church and the school, enjoying it, but was hungry for something else. And after listening to that podcast, I showed up on his back patio that Friday night and said, I'm ready. What's the next step? He's like, we're going to the boot camp. We pulled it up. We booked it for July. And uh, that was a couple of years ago. And then the ride just started then. And so we, you know, Frank sends out the written material prior to the boot camp. We made a goal to devour all of that prior to going. So we read through, devoured it all, listened to all the CDs as well. We actually started marketing to mobile home park owners prior to as well, because we're like, we want to get experience so we can ask them actually good questions instead of just, you know, learning the basics. And so we hit the ground running about two or three months after boot camp. We had our first park under contract and uh, and we've been rolling ever since. So we've got five currently. We've got another one under contract and we'll be buying three more parks by the end of the year. So that's amazing, guys. Wow. First off, congratulations, because, I mean, I, I had a similar story, you know, went to the boot camp with Frank and Dave, and, you know, it's, uh, it seems like a lot, you know, but, but kudos to you guys to kind of dive in and, and get your hands dirty. Uh, maybe you can tell us uh, from your time, you know, in the space, what are the most important things that you, you know, you, you need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? You know, what are the things that... Uh, you know, as active operators you look for? And then what things do you think passive investors need to look for uh, before investing? So I would say a couple of those things is uh, we look for with every park we go into is, is really what are those big ticket items that we're going to run into that could be, it could be deal breakers or just business enders down the road. And yeah. so we look at things like, you know, what is that, you know, wastewater system? And does it have a wastewater treatment plant? Is it on city water, city sewer? Does it have well and septic or a lagoon? You know, and we've, we've looked in a, and evaluated several parks that had those say wastewater treatment plants or lagoons, where if that wastewater treatment plant hits an end of life and we have to replace it, not only do all of our residents, you know, not have a way to a place to put their waste for, you know, a couple of weeks till you replace it, but you're out $500,000 plus yeah. just on replacing that system. And so that's a big piece. Um, and it's really infrastructure because with these parks, you know, we're, you got to really evaluate that infrastructure to make sure that you're not stuck with, you know, really bad or old infrastructure that's going to, you're going to have to sink a ton of money into. I think I would add a couple things, you know, I'm a big fan of if someone's done it before, you know, why reinvent the wheel? And the playbook from the boot camp is fantastic, especially for an initial investor. You know, we, our first park was actually a park that was up for auction in my hometown of Great Bend, Kansas, which is a small town, 15,000 people, went against the playbook, but we got it for a fantastic price and experienced a great year of learning of why you don't buy parks in small towns. And uh, it was a great opportunity. 
but tons of lessons from that, that, you know what, stick to the metro areas on that. But as you grow, you know, sometimes deviating a bit from the playbook is helpful. So because we're working on this full time, we kind of went back to Frank's initial model where we're going to do as much as we can from headquarters. So we don't have a park manager in a lot of our turnaround parks right now because we've got rehab crews that are there. And so we're in-house doing the invoicing, the rent collection, and kind of handling bringing those tenants on and giving them the experience that we want to give them from an operation standpoint, um, setting the stage, being firm but fair and all that good stuff. So I think that my advice to someone new would be the playbook is a fantastic way to go about it. Everything Brady talked about is in the playbook. Um, and so use that as your guide. But then as you grow, don't be afraid to try new things out and see what works for you. And if you're a passive investor, I would say the most important thing would be really vetting the operator, you know, the person you're going to invest your money with, you know, make sure they've got experience buying the different parks in the different areas that, you know, that they're sending out uh, their funding packages for. And uh, don't just look at their marketing material because everyone can make something pretty by sending, you know, something off to VAs. You know, I've talked to some guys who want to do syndications who, hadn't even owned a park yet. And they wanted to go, you know, syndicate deals with investors. And they were asking me to kind of be there, you know, to back them because we had experience. It's like, well, I find a investor, you know, who actually is active in it, has bought communities on his own, has experience. And then I would say, make sure that if you call them up, that they have time and you can ask them specific questions, they should be able to, you know, answer those as well. And one thing I recognize that you guys mentioned is, you know, it might be a good, a good question to ask an operator if they've been to the Frank and Dave boot camp. Yeah. I mean, agree. something so basic. Mm-hmm. Have yep. you gone? Are you, have you been educated? I'm never in, so I've gone to the boot camp four times. I'm lucky wow. enough. They come to Orlando every year. Mm-hmm. And since I've been multiple times, you know, I, I just, I kind of go for the networking, you know, because yep. I mean, there's like a hundred people every time I go. Yeah. Yeah. And I met a guy that was from Louisiana last time. And he's like, wow, you know, I own a park right now. It's on a lagoon. And, you know, the local EPA is like wanting to shut it down. And he's like, wow, I wish I would have come to this before I bought this park. You know, like yeah. how many things could be different, for you know, sure. if I would have come to this first. So uh, I'm going to add that to the list. I think that's a good kind of. I think that's good too. Betting one question. Final, one final thing I thought of, Andrew, is the partnership that I've got with Brady. I think if you're passive and you can find a partner with complementary skill sets, I don't know that I'd want to do this by myself. I mean, the ups and downs and, you know, the, the challenges that come, it's great to have a partner. Brady's good with sales and marketing. You know, I manage my own properties and always have. So operations was kind of my sweet spot. So we brought together skill sets that helped us both be able to kind of contribute to it. But it's also just a heck of a lot more fun when you've got yeah. someone to kind of go go on the adventure with you. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree with you 100%. You know, I there's a, a guy that has worked with me for five years now uh, and he went to high school with me. And, you know, we we love it when we take over a new acquisition and we we move in and, uh, you know, you're you're getting your hands dirty or you're it's just a different environment. It's fun, like you said. So. That's, uh, that's important. I'm glad to hear you guys are enjoying what you're doing. So those of you that are, you know, watching the video of this, I love your setup. Maybe you can tell us, you know, about, uh, about your office here. This is a nice little view of the command center. <laughs> yeah. So when we bought the park, we're actually the, the first mobile home in one of the parks we acquired a year ago uh, here in Kansas City, Kansas. 
And uh, when we bought the park, the previous owner, he had a 1983 Commodore that was his office. It was a 50 foot rundown mobile home. And, uh, you know, it's a, between this and our park about a block away, there's 132 spaces. And we said, you know, we're going to be bringing in new homes. We want to have something to showcase, but we also want to have a nice office because we're going to expand and we're going to hire employees. We just hired our first, uh, you know, kind of sales and homes coordinator last month. We're going to be hiring another several people over the next several years. We want to have a nice place for them to work out of. And so we brought in, we ended up moving that 1983 Commodore to another park that we have in town, brought in a brand new Clayton home that can be our showroom, but uh, then also can be a nice office for us to work out of that we actually enjoy coming to every day. So it, it works great. And since we brought this home into the front of the park, every single new home now that we bring into our park, we sell usually before it even gets delivered because we just have people who want to upgrade their homes in the park. They trade it into us. We'll rehab it and we use it as credit and they can, you know, move into a new home for free. So, it, well, not for free, but uh, without a down sure. payment. So it works out great. No, that's fantastic. I, I love that. Uh, maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about you guys' operation, you know, take it, you're based out of Kansas City, Kansas, you know, a little bit about the parks you own, maybe give a, a case study of, of, you know, one of your, your properties you've purchased and maybe uh, mm -hmm. improved or, or what kind of, you know, tell us about the CapEx, kind of what that all looked like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you two different case studies. Um, we'll do the, we'll do the park that we're in right now. We bought this one January 1st of 2020. And uh, we bought it. It was two parks together from a guy who had owned it for 20 years. He was old, he was tired, and he was kind of an anti-people person, to be honest. Uh, people would come to the office here at the park, and he would open the door and say, what do you want? You can't come in. And that's how he ran his business. And he was so happy, and just all every tenant in all these parks just didn't like ever having to deal with them. And uh, so it was hard for us to get that deal. We ended up getting it at a, at a great price. It was 132 lots at the time. Jeff, how many were, were occupied? 89. 89 were occupied of those 132. And uh, we bought that park for two and a half million. Uh, and we had tried to buy it a year before, but he didn't uh, have books. He hadn't filed taxes in seven years. Oh, he, wow. He owed uh, 200,000 plus in property taxes on personal property homes in the park that he just hadn't paid on. So he, he didn't have titles. We couldn't get titles. And so when we ended up finally getting creative and working out a deal, he ended up seller financing it to us. Um, we had to go through abandoned title process on 40 homes, Jeff, yep. on, on 40 homes here in the park wow. um, during COVID to get titles for these homes. And uh, we had went through several different rehab crews, rehabbing all of these 40 homes over the last course of the year and uh, over the last 12 months and selling off those homes through 21st Mortgage's cash program. Um, so fast forward a year, this was 89 occupied and we're bringing in two new homes that are delivered on Friday that will bring us up to 100%. And wow. So it, That's uh, fantastic, guys. That's amazing. So how do you how do you source that deal? Was that, you know, direct to owner or was that through a broker? How do you source all your deals, I guess? All of our deals so far have all been off market, except for, yeah, all of them have been off market. Um, this one particular was just through a cold call. Um, I had 
you know, we built a database of all the parks within about a four or five hour radius of Kansas City, um, tracked all their data through the GIS maps and the Secretary of State websites. And I just went through and was calling them. And this guy, he didn't have a phone number that was easily accessible, ended up Googling him, found obscure that he was a member of the Kansas City Woodworkers Guild. He was their treasurer and I had their phone number on this obscure website. And so I called <laughs> him and we hit it off. And uh, he was like, well, let's go, let's go down to lunch. And so we went out to lunch and talked several times and he, he ended up you know, selling it to us. And we had asked him like, once we had it under contract and we bought the park, he ended up still working out of the office for a couple months. And he dropped off a folder of like 20 or 30 different postcards to us. He's like, oh, if you ever find these interesting of people who wanted to buy the parks from when he's wow. like, well, why did you sell us? He's like, well, I liked you guys. That was it. You wow. Know, so just hitting them, hitting off with, you know, with people. And the very first park, which is our other case study for you, uh, we bought, it's in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. It was the first park we bought, or we bought two at the same time, yeah. but this one was 35 lots. So smaller park to kind of get our teeth wet. The, we mailed out postcards, did cold calls again. The owner had called me is 93 years old. Uh, he had owned the park for 30 years. And we asked, well, how much do you want for it? He said, well, I just like to get out of it. What I bought it for 30 years ago. Oh my goodness. We can do that. We can make that work. <laughs> so at the time it was 18 occupied lots. And uh, so we bought, we bought the park. Uh, we ended up submetering sub water. And you know, over the course of this last year, I was working a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Jeff had a, a part-time consulting gig where he was a 1099 you know, consulting contractor. And so we're rehabbing 40 homes at, at the park we're in right now. That park we had let sit for about a year, not really doing much with it because I was working full time. He was COVID hit. And we said, you know, let's I, I want to get out of my my corporate job. I would like to retire from that where we can just kind of work together side by side and have fun. Why don't we fill this thing up? And Jeff said, yeah, well, let's do it. And so we ended up finding 15 homes that we brought in just used homes because Missouri is a HUD state where you have to have a bunch of requirements to move in homes and it costs an extra six or 7,000. But if you bring in a used home, you don't have to do that. And mm -hmm. so we, we found 15 homes over a matter of a couple months, found a good mover, partnered, we moved, slammed those homes into all those lots and then had our rehab crews go through and, and rehab all of those and get those all sold off. So that park now is, is full as well. So, wow. That is awesome. It, it just shows you what, you know, what direct effort can, you know, focused effort you can get out of stuff, you know, I mean, that's a lot of lots to fill in one year. I mean, normally people, you know, would kind of, you know, phase that out, maybe do five to 10 a year. So I would say you guys really put the pedal to the metal. So good job, guys. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you fund your deals. You know, do you guys take on investors? Are you guys funding it yourself? Uh, you know, how do you get the money for the CapEx projects you guys are doing? Yes. So when we bought the first several parks, it was just Jeff and I buying them ourselves, just 50-50 you know, partnerships with ourselves. And, and uh, you know, we got to talking as these parks all started getting you know, full. And, you know, at that point, I, I was retired from my day job. Jeff didn't have a day job. And we're like, well, what are we going to do all day? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> managing these parks are fun, but a full park doesn't take near as much time as, as these infill projects. And uh, 
So he said, well, you know, we like to work. We like to, you know, do things. And so we said, let's, let's bring in a partner who's a buddy of mine who uh, has a, another successful business in Kansas City that's one of the you know, top 100 companies in Kansas City who him and I have talked about starting businesses together for 20 years. And uh, so we all got together and uh, kind of followed the rules of, of Gino Wickman's track, traction and kind of set our 10-year and three-year goals and, and really implemented EOS you know, fully. And now we, he's really our, our third partner that we self-fund all of our deals. And, uh, you know, we've got some pretty hefty goals, but uh, of, you know, having 1,200 lots here at the end of three years and 10,000 lots at the end of 10 years. So we're. Uh, wow. Those are some, uh, some big goals. So I see some capital raising uh, in your guys' near future. <laughs> uh, just throwing that out there. Well, tell us this, guys. What does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes, knowing ahead, what you yeah. know now? Yeah, I think based on the fact that we're working full-time, you said the funding part, um, a half-full park that we can pick up for a good cap rate. You know, we're not afraid of the infill projects. We've got good rehab crews. We enjoyed doing that here. And so getting the value add from that is probably um, what we're looking for is kind of the tougher projects. But being in a good metro, so, you know, something above 40,000 is our goal um, that has the opportunity for us to raise lot rent and get the lots filled. And our goal is to try to double the value of that park in two years by filling it, refinance those, take the money out and then go lather, rinse and repeat and buy a few more parks. So you know, our goal this year is five, next year's five. And then if we can fill those up, you know, the, the refinance then is where they kind of start to help self-fund within the machine. Um, but that would be the ideal park for us. Now for a passive investor, you know, those infill projects are a little bit more to take on, but every park that we've bought and most people are buying, they cash flow from day one. So to your point, five to 10 lots a year, you could still do that and not fill them as quickly as we're planning to fill them. So that, you know, that value add is there, um, for the taken as quickly as you want to fill them. So perfect park for us would be city water, city sewer, direct build in a Metro, that has the opportunity for us to fill it and uh, kind of increase the value. Yeah, no, I'd say mine is something very similar. So make sure you guys save me some of, some of the parks out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a little further East than your target market is. So I, yeah, I think that's true. We'll, we'll let you know when we start calling there. And you let us know when you got your moving company closer uh, to the Kansas City area. Exactly. And I tell you what, you know, we had to shut the website down on the moving company because we we're just getting so many people reaching out. Yeah. You know, that's mm -hmm. another uh, interesting business is huge opportunity transport. Because huge I don't know about you guys, but, you know, with infilling, because we do a lot of infill as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was one of the pain points for us was you yep. know, relying on third parties to, you know, our business, you know, success depends on them being able to stick to a schedule. And, you know, it was just, we were having a tough time with doing yeah. that. So that's why we started our own. That's, that's kind of on our three to five year plans is to do the exact same thing that you did and have our own truck and crews just because we're going to have enough going on that. I mean, when you're going to pay a million dollars in moving fees to yeah. you know, move homes, you might as well do it yourself. Yeah, especially over there in Missouri and, and some of those other HUD states where you got to do a lot of the, the site prep and, and so forth. It, it gets expensive for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the biggest learning experience for you guys? You know, maybe you could share that with us. 
I would say on my end, it would be really spend a lot of time in developing good partnerships with not only your, you know, just internally, but, you know, with our, our tenants, we interact with them every day and treat them like people, not just like a number and just trying to enforce rules because that's what all of them hate. And we get tenants all the time who move to us from the, the RHP parks of the world because they just, they want to be treated like a, a person and they want to live in a community that lets them, you know, get together with each other and just have a true community. Um, but then also partnerships with our contractors. You know, we, we, you know, whether it's our moving companies that we work with, our rehab crews, we really treat them like, you know, I mean, they're our true partners and we, you know, we rely on them, but we're going to treat them like gold because our business doesn't move forward if, you know, if we don't take care of each other. If they're not on our team. And we, you know, our rehab crews have even gone as far as, you know, he's like, I dropped every other business I've, I had going and I'm only working for you guys because I, I like you. I, I like the way you guys do business. You pay me fast. And, you know, I don't know. I don't have to go out searching for other business. I can just work with you guys and, and it makes my day fun too. And so that's, that's our goal is have a win-win relationship with everyone we interact with. Yeah. I love that. I think that's really important. You know, I, uh, going into a new market when you're trying to hire new contractors and, and establish that trust, uh, is very difficult. I would say it's probably one of the most difficult parts. You know, I think infill in and of itself is, is the hardest CapEx that you could do in a mobile home park, just in terms of, you know, the construction and the, the time necessary, but, you know, finding good contractors is, uh, is difficult. And once you find one, like you said, you gotta, you gotta be loyal and you gotta keep them. And it's not always, uh, easy to do, you know, cause you don't want to get ahead on pay and behind on work. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's something I learned early on. And, uh, at the same time, you want them to trust you, you know, so you don't want to, you don't want to not pay them soon enough. So, uh, we try to pay them every Friday and, and keep up with that, you know, up with the work. Uh, but it's it's tough. So I, I applaud you guys for being so relationship driven because I think that will be very successful uh, for you guys. It already has been. I mean, with with what you've done so far. So that's awesome. And we had a conversation with our rehab, uh, you know, our head of our rehab crews, and he he said just yesterday, he's like, you know, wherever you buy a park, he said we're traveling with you. He said wow. my crews. I've already talked to all my guys. <laughs> I pay them good. He said, they're all willing to travel and go wherever you need us to go to, you know, help rehab wow. and fill up these parks. So it's, it's, it's a testament to that. Well, maybe you can loan them to me. I, I got about <laughs> 30 homes over in Pennsylvania that I need oh. rehabbed. So <laughs> let me know. <laughs> well, tell me what's, what's been the toughest part of the business for you guys. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about like the, the key metrics you guys watch on a consistent basis. Yeah, so we're, uh, you know, as Brady mentioned, we're tracking EOS. So for us, I think the big things are, are we hitting our goals on parks we want to acquire? Do we have the number of lots that we, you know, are expecting to have to keep up with the plan? And then are we filling the homes in? So it's all about the infill on the homes, occupied lots, you know, rent collection. I think to Brady's point, you know, one of the things that I've learned is it is about the relationship. You know, for, in, for 14 years in single family home, I've never evicted anybody. I've always, you know, worked with them and convinced the people that need to leave that it's time for them to leave. Thus far here, you know, we can't evict right now with the, the uh, you know, the moratorium that's set on it, but we haven't had to evict anybody yet in the mobile home park business. 
it's all about conversations, relationships, and getting them to do their part. So I've enjoyed that part of it um, and helping people where you can during COVID. And our collections are still, you know, 96, 97%. I got a few people that are we're working with, but uh, that's been the biggest lesson is that you can work with people and kind of help them there. Um, so I think the key metrics for us are basically, are they paying? Are we filling as quickly as we need to? And are we staying on pace to buy the parks that we want to buy to kind of keep the, the engine going? And that's something we've been really cognizant of continuing to refine is, you know, what, what are those lead indicators and those lag measures that we're tracking on a weekly basis? And how do we build those into our scorecard so it's easy to track and make sure that we are on pace or off pace and what do we need to focus our attention on? And so that, uh, as, you, as we become very process driven, knowing that we're going to scale this thing, you know, it's, it's really having to think through a lot more than just let's get a home into one empty lot. And so that's something we've been working on a lot lately. And it's, it's a big undertaking, but oh, yes. it, it pays dividends down the road. So it yeah. totally will. And I think one of, you know, from going through that, I think one of the tougher things for, for us was hiring, you know, cause uh, bringing on good people is really important. And, you know, a bad hire is like taking two steps back, you know, mm -hmm. instead of one step forward. So that was, that was difficult. Um, I would say that, you know, the processes, like you said, fine tuning those is very important. You know, when we started out, all of these little banks that were loaning us the money to buy these parks wanted us to have a bank account with them, right? Mm -hmm. They want you to have the operating account. Well, when you get 24 of those, <laughs> <laughs> you have all these different logins and now yeah. you're trying to scale, but you have these little banks that have these little nuances. Uh, you know, it just, it just becomes very difficult. So we, that was one of the hiccups we ran into. We had to switch all over to chase and, and have it all on one platform and one login for everything. So uh, that's, that's one of the many uh, hurdles that we've had to come through, which I'm sure you guys are, are just getting started with, but Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your buying criteria, kind of your your area that you guys like to buy in. It seems like you want to be close to them where you guys are at in Kansas City. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe maybe just shed a little light yeah, on that. Absolutely. So our our goal is really, you know, and, and as we grow, we know we're going to have to expand kind of our area. But uh, right now, our goal is to buy parks within a four hour radius of Kansas City, um, just by car of just being able to drive to them. Um, we like to stick with metros above 40,000 people. Uh, size of parks, we have a minimum park size of 50 lots, uh, just because we've realized that with those smaller 30 lot parks or so, the economies of scale aren't there when you have to pay a manager. And then if you have a water leak or things like that, it just, it eats away at your profit pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and so minimum lot sizes of 50, we prefer city utilities, uh, you know, so city water, city sewer, We'll look at well and septic, but we stay away from wastewater treatment plants and lagoons. Um, we prefer being able to bill back water uh, and sewer, uh, but we'll buy parks, you know, if it's already being billed back or if they're direct billed. Um, other than that, that's that's kind of our main criteria is, is just fine. And we prefer turnaround parks. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a whole lot of interest buying a park that's already at 95% occupancy and close to market lot rent because there's no way for us to push value. And yeah. so our whole business plan is just based on finding those parks where we can, we can turn them around, push value, make it a nice community where, it, where it's not currently. And uh, then it's a win-win. Totally. 
Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So the value add strategy and when it comes to like the management of these assets, you know, that's one of the toughest parts for us, you know, is the, the operations and management of it. You know, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your secrets to success? Yeah. So I think, you know, when you said one bad hire, you know, you take two steps back, you know, we inherited a terrible manager at the small town park that we bought. And what we realized was there was not a pool of people we could pick from in the park. And our goal was move a home in, attract someone to come in and manage the park. And we probably would have done that. We decided to flip the park. Luckily, we were able to flip it for a profit based on what we bought it for. But my thought was, as we went into this park, we've got a park a half mile down the street that I never go to. I never have to. Um, you know, they bring the money in. So as we put, brought on the last two parks, my thought was, let's see what we can do from headquarters and let's see how much we can handle it versus trying to hire that manager that's going to take more time and more energy while we've got a presence there with rehab crews. Eventually, we will hire the manager, which to Brady's point, 50 lots or more is kind of what we're looking at for that expense. But right now, you know, I'm handling it for the five or six parks. I think later this year, I'm going to have an operations person I bring on to answer the phone, but someone that can sit across from where I am and I can teach them, you know, the, the experience that we want to provide and they can learn firsthand from me versus a remote asset um, in a town that, you know, th they may not have take the, uh, the job as seriously as we need them to as we're infilling it. So one thing that Brady has brought on to be able to do that is we have remote showings now, which are working fantastically with a remote lock, a camera in the home. So we don't have to have a park manager to show the home, we give them a code, they go see it when it's convenient for them. We actually get to watch the video of their reaction without somebody there pressuring them for the sale or you know having the conversation with them. And then we follow up with them and kind of take them through the process. So we're trying to do as much as we can from headquarters. And so far it's going well. And I think we're gonna be able to, you know, not necessarily need to have that manager until it's time to just manage the park, you know, once we have it full. And it's forced us to really think through, like thinking through that strategy is, okay, well, what, how can we automate these things? And how can we, as Jeff says, millennialize these things <laughs> where, uh, you know, it just automate all of these little things that a, a manager would have done in person. And so we've, we've digitized our, our onboarding process as far as, you know, there, there's online mortgage apps that we can, we've set up a system that'll automatically send it to them and follow up with them and automatically schedule those showings as well as far as the smart locks and, and send them text messages and email reminders, just like you get from your doctor's you know, office. And, and then once they're through that mortgage process, you know, automated step that'll will send them the background check that they can fill out online and we get notifications. And so it's, it's that kind of stuff that, we don't need a manager to do because there's technology nowadays. And if someone's responding to our Facebook marketplace ad, they've got a computer or they've got a phone so they can do sure. all of this anyway. And they prefer it that way, I think, too. I think, you know, I don't know that I'd call it a secret, but I would say that my approach is, and we talked about it earlier, but it's all about the relationship. It doesn't matter who I'm dealing with. You know, I want it to be a win-win for both of us. You know, I've got tons of examples of that, but um, it's being able to answer the phone when they call. And I think the one thing that I've learned more so in this space than other spaces is people just want to be heard. A lot of the people living in the park, you know, may not have family. They may not have friends. A lot of our tenants are older. And when they come in and they want to talk for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, yeah, it detracts from what I'm doing for that day. But when I listen to them, you know, the PR that happens and then their family members want to buy a home and it just makes the community, 
you know, a great place to live. And we've experienced that firsthand here. My wife's fear was as we grow, she's like, how do you replicate that, you know, three hours away? And so part of that is, you know, having the experience come through here first versus a manager that I don't necessarily have as much control over. So we're going to try it out, kind of going back to Frank's old, old ways of doing it. You know, when he, uh, back in the early 2000s, when, you know, Dave had managers and he didn't, I was like, why don't we try that out and see how it works? And so for now it's, it's working pretty well, but you know, treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Doesn't matter who it is, tenant or, you know, your rehab crew. I love that. I love your hands-on nature and the self-management and, uh, I'm really excited to watch you guys grow because I think you have a great operation going and we need more operators like you guys that are reinvesting into these communities, making them better. And then, you know, I think if you look at the, the technology piece, like you mentioned, you know, no other, none of these older operators that have owned these things, no one's doing that. No one, you know, they barely have websites for these mobile home parks. So right. if you're able to, you know, millennialize. I like that, that term. <laughs> if you're able to do that, you know, you just systematize the business, uh, you know, that much more. So uh, kudos to you guys. You know, I was fortunate enough to uh, meet with uh, the, the owner of, of Monarch Investment Group out in Colorado, and they own like 66,000 apartment complexes. And his name is Bob Nichols. And when I met with him, you know, one thing he told me, which it rung a bell when you said this, is that he takes each part of his business and then he, he dissects it and he goes into every single part and lays out a structure and a system of how it should be to make sure that it's easy and it, it, it shouldn't be, you know, this complex process. And, you know, another thing that he mentioned was the queen bee role and making sure that, you know, you're identifying what's the most important part of the business. And for us, that's occupancy. I'm sure it's, it's probably the same for you guys. You know, his was renewals, you know, for, for leases. It was different than tenant-owned homes. But I just thought it was important, like, like what you mentioned, where you're, you dissect each part of the business and then, you know, create a, a system that's replicatable. And, uh, you know, I applaud you guys for, for being, uh, being on top of it. And I'm excited to watch you guys grow. So thank you guys, you know, for coming on the show. Uh, if listeners want to get a hold of you guys and, and chat, you know, maybe be interested in investing or something, uh, what is the best way for them to do so? Uh, they could reach out to us via email would probably be the best. Um, my email is Brady at legacymhp.com. And Jeff's is Jeff at legacymhp.com. Mm -hmm. And we keep it simple, but we're, we're very responsive. We're happy to help. You know, if anyone has any questions about, you know, we don't syndicate deals, but we know a lot of the operators out there. So if you have questions about people you're looking to passive invest with in the industry, shoot me an email. I'll give you, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, who's good, who's not. I'm not going to bad cool. talk to anyone, but I'll give you recommendations. So yeah. we enjoy meeting people, talking with people. We helping enjoy out. teaching people and helping. And so anybody that has any questions, reach out. We'd love to have a conversation, see where you're at, talk about what we're doing, but we have, we, we would love to hear from people. That's generous of you guys. Well, well, thank you again for your time and for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having both of you. Uh, that's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.